Hi, welcome back to Cycling Talk podcast with me, George Mahoney. Today, I'm joined by rider for AG Insurance, Sudal Quickstep, Anya Lu. We caught up a few weeks ago and talked about Anya's start to the season with the team, the races that she had coming up, and the races she hoped to do later in 2023. Last week in classic Morbihan, Anya had a nasty crash which left her in hospital in France for several days, unable to walk. Since moving to a hospital in the Netherlands, doctors have confirmed that unfortunately Anya has fractured her pelvis. I know this will be a really hard recovery for Anya and I really hope that she heals quickly and we see her back racing later in the season. I'm sure Anya would really appreciate your messages of support, so if you have Instagram, please give Anya Lou a follow. Thank you for joining me today, Anya. No worries at all. Thank you for having me. What's your first memory of being on a bike? Uh, the first memory of me being on a bike, it must be like the bike leg of a kiddies triathlon that I did in primary school. It would have been just like a small mountain bike kind of thing, maybe with one or two gears. But yeah, I think that would be probably the first memory of, yeah, riding a bike properly. What's the first bike you remember being really excited about? Uh, the first bike I remember being like super stoked about was uh, just after I joined a track club. I just paid like for my membership. Um, back back then in that day, in those days, you could uh, you could just pay like fifty dollars and you could rent a bike for fifty dollars for the whole season on the track. Um, and I remember it was a really small, like thirty four inch uh, red track bike, like a heel brick that I that I hired for six months for 50 bucks and I was just so excited and I was allowed to even take it home with me and then yeah practice on the rollers and stuff like that so I was pretty stoked. You grew up in Tasmania Australia can you tell me about this? Yeah um, it was a pretty awesome place to grow up Uh, it was a great great place to to start cycling. Uh, We have a really rich cycling history back home in Tassie so you know there's people like I think you interviewed Georgia Baker as well Richie Port um yeah lots of people Amy Cure Macy Stewart so so many great people that were coming through the track on the and the road at this time so it was actually it's quite a popular sport back home and it's it's got a really niche like culture there's a lot of people that are really into it and really we're really proud to be Tasmanian it's yeah we're really proud of our little state so it was a great place to start riding and racing. Did you have a lot of people your age that were riding then? To be honest, there's, there wasn't heaps of people. I Maybe in each age group, like under 11s, under 13s, under 15s, there were way more boys than there were girls. So mm-hmm. like it was um, most of my friends were, were the boys that I was kind of racing and training with. And um, that's kind of rumoured why like Tasmanian riders especially a lot of the females were so good because there weren't that many other girls riding so I'd mm. compare myself to the boys yeah um a lot when I was training and racing so we were like kind of pushed the whole time because we could never really beat the boys but we mm. were like really competitive and pushed so that was yeah that was what it was like do you remember your first race yeah, it would have been like my first bike race would have been a handicap on the track. So like on the outdoor velodrome um, in Devonport, which was the town that I grew up in Tassie. 
yeah, we had like a 500 meter concrete velodrome outside. So it would have been like in a, a two lap handicap or something when I was about nine or 10 years old, I remember. <laughs> in 2016, you joined the TIS racing team. How did this come about? Um, I was coached already for a few years, like doing an actual, a bit of a training program. And uh, there's not that many coaches in Tassie either. So I was coached by one of the main ones who was also involved in the Tasmanian Institute of Sport. And as I was kind of coming through under 17s and then into under 19s, they, they decided to start up a road team because Oz Cycling was just about to cut its funding on the road as well. So my coach um, at the time was Matthew Gilmore. And, yeah, he, he like, also wanted there to still be opportunities for road cyclists, not just track cyclists. So he started up a, a road team called the TIS Racing Team. So all the road athletes also had now opportunity when the funding was cut um, through external sponsors to go race all around Australia. And um, another guy who was really involved in that was David Walker as well. He coached me from when I was really young before I went on to the Institute. So, yeah, both of those two guys put together a racing team. And, um, yeah, we were able to race all around Australia. It was really cool. That must have really benefited you at that age. Yeah, it really did because I was one of the – I think I was the youngest person on the team because I would have been 16, like just moved up to under-19s. And um, as I joined the team, I think Georgia Baker took a break from Orica. So she went back and actually just did about a year on this team. Mm -hmm. And so did Lauren Perry, Macy Stewart, who went on to go and try, you know, into the Australian track team to get to the Olympics. Um, Yeah, Lauren now rides for the UAE development team. So, yeah, it was – I was surrounded by these girls who were like four, five, six years older than me and I was able to learn like so much in such a short amount of time. It was super cool. How did you find the travelling around Australia? Um, It's actually funny. Our team team was sponsored by a boat called the the Spirit of Tasmania because for those who don't know, Tasmania is a small island at the bottom of Australia and the – the bit of water that separates Australia and Tasmania is really rough and it's called the Bass Strait. And there's this one boat that can take cars and vehicles from Tasmania to the rest of Australia. And yeah, it was called the Spirit of Tasmania. So because we were sponsored by the boat, we used to have to do this 14-hour voyage on the boat instead of catching a flight. And we'd have all of our team cars um, and van on the boat as well. So we'd sometimes in winter when the swell was really was really high would get to these like national level races a little bit seasick as well and but it was <laughs> some of the fondest memories I've had like on a team was like playing cards on the boat and that kind of thing so it was pretty cool and then we would just drive the rest of the country to whichever race yeah <laughs> in 2016 you got the opportunity to race the Oceana Road Championships how did you find that experience yeah I think it would have been – I would have just been under 19s. Um, and this would have probably been my first, like, kind of you could try and call it like international level race, even though it was really just in Australia and the New Zealanders would also come. So, yeah, I think we raced – I think it was Canberra. Um, 
And yeah, I did a pretty good TT in road race. Not great. I think I finished maybe fifth or something like that. I can't even remember, I think. But I remember it being in Canberra and it was really hot. So yeah, I was I was with a few of my mates from Tassie too. So we were just having a having a really fun time around the racing. And the following year at these championships, you took the win in the TT. How did it feel to win that? Yeah, I think I was top top age under 19. And it so happened that the the championships was at my hometown or like home state in Tasmania. So it was less than an hour drive to the time trial course. And as soon as I found this out, I would go there once a week. And like on the weekend, I'd get dad to drive me. And we'd go and like recon the course and everything. It was just flat straight out and back so there wasn't really much to recon but yeah I just remember like practicing and practicing and then I just had it dialed in my head how I wanted to race it and pace it pace the TT and yeah to be honest I just really wanted to beat Sarah Gigante we were little rivals through juniors so yeah I was I was really set on beating her that day so I was happy I did (laughs) And then you were selected to race your first World Champs in Innsbruck. Was this the first time that you'd raced outside of Australia? Yeah, yeah. That, so that win at the Oceana TT, that like earned my selection. Um, and yeah, that was the first time I'd been to Europe. We went to, I think it was Innsbruck, Austria that year. So yeah, that was really special. And it was just Sarah and I that got selected because the Cycling Australia only wanted to pick two riders that year as for the junior team. Um, so, yeah, it was just us two. Like, we went all the way to Austria. And, yeah, we were just, like, in the Austrian Alps for for a week. And it was just the most unreal experience ever. Like, these – I've never seen mountains like this before. It's so, it looks so different to Australia. So, yeah, it was so cool. In 2019, you moved up to under-23 and you race the women's tour down under for the first time. Can you tell me about this? Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, I was a first year under 23 and I got asked, Cycling Australia were putting like an Australian team in the tour down under. And at this stage, it was just before COVID. So all the, it was all normal. All the professional teams were coming over to race. It was like amazing, um, especially for me, who had just come out of the junior category. So I was looking up to all of these riders and then I got a call um, that I earned one of the development spots on the team as an under 23. So, yeah, I think the team was made up with Rachel Nalen, who was our climber, who we were working for. Then we had Lauren Kitchen, who was riding for FDJ at the time, and she was an amazing road captain, had so much experience in the bunch and just, yeah, knew exactly where to ride in the peloton. So she was probably the first person to to like help or to teach me anything in terms of like bunch positioning because um, apart from junior worlds this was tour down under was the first pe- peloton of like senior or elite riders that I've ever done so even though it was probably only 90 riders it was a huge step up to what I had been doing like in the juniors in Australia so yeah that was really cool to have someone like Lauren being able to captain our team and we learned a lot from her super quickly. I think Josie Talbot was also on the team. So it's pretty cool to see her riding for Cofidus now too. And after this, you raced the Herald Sun Tour wearing the Australian national team kit again. Was it nice to be able to race in this kit? 
yeah, it's it's really special to be able to pull on the green and gold. Like, yeah, Australia is another one of those nations. We're a really proud nation. So when we get to put on our colours, doesn't matter what the race, it's like a real privilege. So, yeah, it's a really special feeling putting on the jersey. Um, but then this this tour, I think, I honestly don't remember much about it, but I think I was just trying to learn as much as I could about riding in a peloton and how it works and, yeah, all this these kinds of things that were coming in like really quickly all these skills that you had to learn you raced the OCR champs in March and didn't get back to racing until July with Beanie Ladies Tour what was it like to do this race in Europe yeah so Cycling Australia put together like a under 23 development road squad that would go race in Europe for about five or six weeks I think in 2019 and yeah, so apart from Tour Down Under, which is my first real taste of a peloton, you go back to Australia and there's maybe 30 or 40 riders, so you really don't have to apply these skills at all, um, even in our Oceana champs, like max 50 people. So it's really easy to position and, there's, and the roads are also really wide in Australia, so we don't, yeah, we don't learn the skills that you need to learn when you go to Europe and you race in these big pelotons of 160-plus riders. It's just totally different um and we quickly learn that it doesn't matter how strong you are if you don't have the bunch skills and the bunch positioning there's nothing you can do in races and yeah so we we got selected to do this trip and we spent I think about five weeks in Belgium and I remember I think our first race was Benet Tour and even for people that are like seasoned pros in Europe um this race was notorious for its crashes its bad weather um, just the sketchiness of the peloton. So as most of us were 18-year-old, I think the team was me, Josie again, Ruby Roseman Gannon, Sarah Gigante, um, Alex Martin-Wallace, a few of these girls um, like Ruby and Josie now also pro. So we went on to better things. But I remember at the time, the first stage of this race, we came up to 800 metres to go in the final. And I think third wheel crossed over and crashed and about – 50 or 60 people crashed at like 55 k's an hour and Ruby was up in good position because her positioning was already good but she broke her bike in like three pieces and was like under four people and I was coming from 80th wheel and I was just like you ride past the aftermath of a crash and you can just hear all the noises of people and I was like oh my god what have I gotten myself into and then we were all most of us was fine um Actually, it's funny, my DS at the time, Yolene DeHore, she crashed there and she broke her arm in a few places or something. So it was just one of those races that you want to forget about. But we all finished and everyone was okay and not too injured. And we sat down and Donna, our DS, asked us, oh, how did you like your first taste of professional racing? And we all said we wanted to quit. It was like <laughs> the most hectic race we've ever done. So <laughs> I'm very glad I didn't, but we were definitely thrown into the deep end with Bene Tour. What other races did you do in that European block? Uh, so after Benet, we kind of stepped back and just did the Belgium Camus racing. And we did some of the post-tour crits in the Netherlands too, which were awesome. And then we quickly realised that the tour that we got thrown into at Benet was like super hectic. And already just racing the Belgium Camises was a huge step back. Like you could relax more. It was easier to position. So in a way, doing that race first, like, 
really stepped us up and then we we were better and quickly learned like the fundamental skills in the bunch yeah and then the crits in the netherlands were awesome there were so many spectators everyone was partying around the courses and you know we got to race a few really cool riders like animik and mariana voss and yeah corin lebecky all of those girls anna van der Breggen was there so even though they were just the post tour crits it was pretty cool just coming out of the juniors and then getting to ride around a crit circuit with those girls it was super fun you raced at Vermeer but you crashed out can you tell me about that yeah that was I think the last race we did in, in Belgium I was I actually found it a lot easier to position this race I kind of figured it out and cracked the code of the positioning and then I got into the breakaway and um I was completely gassed when I got into the breakaway and yeah, I like skipped a few turns and the girls in front of me were getting really angry. So the girl um, at the back kind of like backed off to drop me out of the group. But then I was looking around and I overlapped her wheel as she did it. So then I crashed, which was my fault. But yeah, I crashed out of that race. And then to be honest, I was pretty ready to come back to Australia. I think we flew the next day back to Australia and then I could chill out for a few days and get over it. How did you find being so far from home for that time? Um, yeah, I'm I'm a fairly independent person, so I didn't mind at all. I I really enjoyed the trip, and yeah, I don't mind being too far away from my family. It's not like, of course, I miss them, but I think I'm having so much fun at the time that I forget. To be honest, in October you had surgery on your ankle. How much time did you have to take off the bike? Yeah, that surgery was to repair like some tendon issues from a bone growth that happened on my ankle. It was a pretty weird injury. Um, but I had to – it ended up being almost two to three months off the bike, so it was pretty long given that our off-season is usually about three weeks depending on the rider. But, yeah, so I had lost a lot of fitness from that. Um, it probably took me almost six months to get back to where I was before endurance-wise, I think. 2020 was a bit of a different year. How did you find lockdown? Um, at the time, I'd moved to the Sunshine Coast for university and we were really lucky with our restrictions. We were never restricted to like our house. We could exercise outside and with one training partner um, mm-hmm. from the same bubble, but we had to do it within a 10-kilometre radius. So if you if they caught you riding more than 10 kilometers as the crow flies from your house you could get like a $500 fine or whatever so but I was really lucky because when they had the the radius rule for exercising I lived like at the top of a hill and the hill was like three kilometers long and there's like 10 different roads to get up the climb so you could you could do like a 70k ride with two and a half thousand meters elevation um or within like 5ks of your house which was pretty cool. So, um, yeah, I think most of us struggled with not having racing because I'm somebody that really enjoys race, racing and I train to be able to race well. I'm not like somebody that's addicted to training. So, yeah, not having the race aspect was definitely something that was difficult to deal with and I was just always wondering when everything was going to open up and the racing was going to start again. But then I found things to occupy myself with like, yeah, I'd try and do challenges, like how many of these hill repeats I could do or like we'd go for Strava segments or something just to keep it fun, you know. But, 
Yeah, I guess we did have the Zwift racing, but oh, I didn't really like it that much. I prefer real-life racing. <laughs> what were you studying at university? I was studying uh, nutrition and dietetics. I still am studying. I'm about halfway through my degree. How do you find studying around racing? Well, at the moment, I'm trying to figure out a solution, but because I've moved away from Australia, I've um, had to put my studies on hold and try and figure out a way that I can study online because my degree is quite practical. Mm -hmm. So I've had to actually stop for the last six months, which hasn't been ideal. I really enjoy doing something else other than writing just to keep my brain occupied. So, yeah, I'm trying to find a solution for that problem at the moment. I know you didn't get out to Europe for racing, but did you manage to do much racing in Australia at the end of the year? Yeah, when things opened back up, the uh, like we had all of our National Road Series races condensed into like a 10-day tour, but it was quite unique because if you could miss a day if you wanted to. So it was basically 10 one-day races followed day after day, and you could pick and choose whichever races you wanted to do. So that was pretty cool because everyone around the country came and like participated in that. But it was like tactical, like whether you wanted to try and do every all of the 10 races to try and like get the overall victory or if you wanted to like pick and choose which stages you do to stay fresh. Um, so that was really fun and, yeah, it was really nice to see everyone again. So, And then I think 2021 things opened back up again and it was all good. And in 2021 you signed for... ARA racing and predominantly raced in Australia. Can you tell me about some of your highlights from that season? Um, I think at the start of the season we had our road nationals because our road nats is always super early in um January. So I managed to get on the podium again as an under-23. I think I finished third Sarah one again that year. So it was, yeah, that was a bit of a confidence boost for me because I basically had my ankle surgery and then just as I was starting to come back again, COVID happened. So that was almost two years out or a year and a half just kind of out from competition. So to be able to get on the podium um, was a bit of a confidence boost and I think it was the right one that I needed. And I think that year following Road Nationals, it was not the Tour Down Under but like Australia hosted a Santos Festival of Cycling, which was basically the Tour Down Under, but no, none of the big pro teams could come mm. apart from Bike Exchange. So Ruby Roseman Gannon was also on my team um, still at this point in 2021. So I remember we were up against Bike Exchange and then like Grace Brown and Neve Bradbury um, so and Lucy Kennedy and all those riders. So I remember getting to be Ruby's like number one little key domestique for that race. And that was super fun. We were going into the finals together and playing the game, which was pretty cool. I've learned a lot from Ruby as well. So, Because of the seasons in Australia, do you race at a different sort of time than in Europe? We The Australian season is probably designed quite poorly at the moment. It's We race all throughout the year and there's not really a condensed season. Um, we have what we, everyone calls the summer of cycling. So you have like road nationals, tour down under, Herald Sun Tour if it comes back and like the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Race and maybe Melbourne to Warrnambool, which is a really long one-day 
classic. It's actually one of the longest cycling races in the world, um, held at the bottom of Australia. So, yeah, you have all of these races condensed in maybe two months, and that's what everyone calls the summer of cycling. And everyone tries to peak for January, February, which is, yeah, definitely really different to the European or the British season, which would start later and be more spread throughout the spring classics and then the summer. So, like, ours is all condensed within two months, but then you kind of have a race every four to five weeks for the whole year. So there's not really any riders in Australia struggle to have like a proper off season because you have to peak in January if you want to get noticed by people internationally. And then you have to be still carry on your fitness for our continental championships, which is usually in March, April, and then still hold on to that fitness if you want to go over to Europe in the summer and race in Belgium or whatever when all those races are on in like May, June, July, August kind of thing. And then try and be fit again already by October, November. It's pretty difficult. You started 2022 by winning the under-23 TT Champs. How did it feel to get the National Champs jersey? Uh, it was a huge relief. Um, before this Nationals, Alex had just won the Zwift Academy um, and I knew that he was going to go to Europe. So... In 2021, we um, we were together and I knew that he was going to have to live in Girona and he signed a two-year contract as well. So, I mean, this isn't the sole reason I've always, it's always been my dream to come over to Europe, but it was almost just a little bit of an extra motivation that I knew he was going to be over there. And it was also my last year in the under-23 category. So I basically had the mindset um during 2021 that okay the summer of cycling like how I explained before hey Australians often peak really early in the year to get noticed I um I went full gas like 100% committed to try and go in for nationals and um win the under 23 championship and then carry that momentum in throughout the year um so I focus on the time trial because it's been my strength in the past and I actually did a lot of aero aero testing with a guy called Jordan Kirby who rode for the Olympics for uh, New Zealand that he was coaching in Queensland at the time. So we had like my time trial bike dialed and yeah, I was lucky enough that my team uh, ACA, they uh, they gave me a time trial bike and some really nice equipment to use. So yeah, I just fully committed for the time trial and then usually I can build my fitness off that as well for the road race and the crit. And after this, you got the chance to head out to Europe. How did you find the racing in Europe and the opportunity? Yeah, so I um I was lucky enough that my team, uh, ACA, they were also going to Europe for five, five or six weeks and um, they could significantly reduce the cost of that trip for us as well. So I think we paid less than half of what it would have costed to enter all the races and we had a mechanic come with us and, you know, a Swanee and a DS there or someone that had radios. So we got the opportunity to do a lot of these 1.1s and 1.2 races. So we we basically just raced in Belgium and the Netherlands, which aren't races that would usually suit me, but I took it as an opportunity to, um, to just, like, try and progress my bunch skills again because it's had been over a year or two since I'd been in Europe because of COVID. So... 
it has it has been a while and it does take a little while to like get comfortable in the bunch again so yeah a lot of these uh the lower level professional races are um really hectic in the bunch because there's a different level within the peloton so yeah it was a great way to start learning the skills again and just before the tour you moved teams to ag insurance next year how did this move come out um I had just signed a management with Arc Sports. It was like a new management company um, that started up at the end of 2021. So I had just signed with them and we'd already started talking to Natasha from uh, Next Gen already before Road Nationals. And then after I got some good results at Road Nationals and Oceanas in 2022, I um, just tried to keep the conversations going and like, letting Natasha know that I was coming over to Europe um, myself and I was going to be in a lot of the races that their team was doing as well. So in the races, I was trying to go up to a few of the girls on their team and, you know, um, say hello in the races or try and get in the breakaway with them or something like that. And then, yeah, just trying to get on with them a little bit already. And then it, it happens that one of the riders um, that was on the team had left and went back home. So a spot opened mid-season and then they offered me the spot and I took it straight away. Like, if you get an opportunity like that, you can't say no. And how did it feel when you found out that you'd be part of the first Tour de France Femmes Avexa? Yeah, so once I'd signed my contract, I was already, like, I couldn't believe it. I was so happy that I could get this opportunity. And then I got an email shortly later shortly after that saying that I was on the long list for the Tour de France like hadn't hadn't raced with any of these girls haven't met like most of them the only one that I had met was like Ali Wollaston um the the Kiwi uh and I'd just seen and spoken to her briefly at the start line um at our Oceana the Road Champs that year so it was pretty cool to to get that email to say that I was on the long list and going to the training camp and then following that email, I, like a few weeks later, I found out that I was going to get selected and I just couldn't believe it. I was actually in shock because there would have been girls on this team that had been working all year since they had heard that their team made the selection for the Tour de France. So, yeah, I was shocked that the team had the trust and faith in me to, to put me on a roster like that. So it was pretty cool. It was the longest race that you'd ever done. How did you find it both mentally and physically? Mentally, I was in a super good headspace, like probably the the most positive I've ever been in. Like in cycling, it's always ups and downs mentally. Like you have a, quite a lot of good days, but you have way more bad days. So yeah, you got to kind of ride the wave. But for the tour, I was in such a good headspace because a lot of positive things had happened at once so it was just one good thing after another like I'm coming to Europe um got to sign a pro contract and now I got selected for the tour so I was in a really good headspace but physically that is by far like so far the hardest race I've ever done my god every stage was like a one-day classic just added up behind each other so yeah by the end you couldn't even go hard you it was like tempo was your like max and you just, but then everyone around you was feeling the same. So it was that group at the front and then there was just this big group head that was just cooked. 
especially if you were doing jobs for your teammates. Like, oh, it was so hard. I don't even remember the last few stages because I just wanted to go to sleep. (laughs) In stage five, you spent 136K in the break. Tell me about what that was like. Yeah, that was, I don't even know if it was the hardest day because it was the stage that was the longest and it wasn't that hilly. It was one of the flattest too. So everyone knew that there was a pretty good chance that some lower level teams like our team could make a breakaway and it could stay up the road for a long part of the race because the first four days had been like really intense, like day after day of just like super attacking kind of punchy climbs. So yeah, everyone was, I think in the peloton quite excited for just an easy day, like let a breakaway go up the road and then they'll chase it back in the last 40 Ks or whatever and just use a few people to chase it back. So I knew that, I really wanted to get into the move, um, but I knew that heaps of people would be thinking the same. So I just waited until there were like 10, 15 attacks and after 20Ks I like launched an attack on the left-hand side through a gap and actually Alexandra Manley was the person on the side of the gap that was kind of holding it open and then as soon as I went, I think she closed the door on whoever was behind me. So I got a gap pretty easy and then um, a few girls bridged across and it was I got lucky that it was a combination of girls up the road that everyone was everyone was really happy to let us go. So we had to ride the first hour pretty hard, like to get that initial time gap to go out. Um, but then once it was out, we could just ride tempo on the front and just keep it consistent mm-hmm. until until the final, which was nice. After spending so long in the break working together, in the next few stages, do you sort of talk to the people that you're in the break with or not really speak to them again? Yeah, I spoke to them after the race because at that breakaway, we all worked really well together. Um, I think I think two of the girls in the breakaway with me didn't finish the tour. Like they pulled out the next day because they were too tired and I was, I was on the limit the next day too. But um, I just had Yolene, my DS, in my ear and she's like, just make it over this next climb. And then you can ride easy to the finish. So, yeah, it was – I just had to make it to 100Ks the next day and then I could find the Gruppetto and ride easy. But I couldn't get dropped before that. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have made time cut. But, yeah, it was – the whole race was quite a roller coaster. I actually got really bad food poisoning um, or a stomach bug on day – on stage two at the end. So it took me a couple of days to recover from that without pulling out while I was racing – and then once I'd recovered, I went into the breakaway and basically cooked my body again. So <laughs> it was pretty hard stage race, but it was hard for almost everyone. It was so difficult. <laughs> After the tour ended, you came down with some illness and missed out on Samac Ladies Tour. And then you came back to race in France and then Grand Prix de Wallonne where you finished seventh. You must have been pleased with this result after illness. Yeah, after the tour, I had to have a few weeks off or easier um, to recover anyway. It was like almost a week of nothing. And then, yeah, getting back into training. And I was feeling pretty fit coming into Simac, but I got COVID um, for the first time actually. So it didn't knock me about too much. I think I had maybe three or four days off the bike. Um because it was a really low strain and then I followed a protocol to come back into training for a week. And then almost like less than two weeks after I got COVID, 
I raced in France and yeah, I did a few one day races there and it kind of brought my level up. And I remember talking to who is now my coach, uh, Martin Kusters, and he was kind of analyzing my data and also then analyzing the race. And he told me, I think you can actually be in the front of this race because I think it really suits you. You just have to be able to position well on the day. Um, and I'd never really thought about it like that because all of the races I've done so far were pretty high level. So it was it had been really difficult to even think about staying in that final group, whereas now kind of dropped back to a lower level and I could think about racing in the final. So, yeah, I was happy to get a top 10 that day. You started 2023 with some racing in Australia before heading to Europe. Do you like to start your season like this? Yeah, I do like to start it racing in Australia. I really enjoy the summer of cycling. Like it's really cool to, you know, race in Australia in your home country. The races are really nice. It's warm, it's summer. Yeah, you know everyone. But it was a bit different this year because I had a proper off-season, like a big break um, in October, like late October. So I only had about six weeks to prepare for the summer of cycling. So I wasn't anywhere near the fitness level that I usually am. So I had to have a bit of a different perspective going into those races of just trying to enjoy, just enjoy the moment. But I think next time I do it, I'm going to try and try and train differently going into that period because I, I really enjoy doing those races, but doing it competitively. So yeah, be a bit fitter next year, hopefully. Your first race in Europe was a stage race in Spain before you raced Trofeo Alfredo Binder and then you raced Brabrantster Field. Sadly, you DNF'd both of these races due to some bad luck. But what races do you have coming up? Yeah, so I have the Ardennes Classics coming up now. Um, I was a reserve for Amstel, which was nice because I got to I got to have a few days easy after Brabant. Um, I didn't have any bad luck there. I just did my job for the team to position Ash into the local laps. And yeah, I was pretty cooked by the time, like after I finished my job. So yeah, I, I couldn't quite finish that one. So, um, but the next ones is Flesh Wallone, uh, I think on Wednesday. And then I race Liège, Baston Liège on Sunday before going back to Girona for a little break. Nice. How have you found your season so far? It's been a really up and down season. We started at Valencia and it was pretty, I was lucky enough to be given the role as a team captain there. Um, our true team captains like Mikey Bulgard and Romy Casper weren't there at this race. So I got an opportunity to try and learn in a different role, which was really nice. But we lined up with Ash, Mumun Pasio, Lotta Hentala. It was her first race returning after three years off the bike and having a baby. Um yeah, so it was it was awesome because the first race back, um, she got up for second and she was behind Elisa Balsamo, which is our former world champion. So it was an unreal start to the season. And then the next day she came second again. And then Ash won the third stage on the mountains and then Justine came second on the last stage. So we came either first and second on every stage Justine won the overall GC, Ash came second, and we won the Mountains jersey. So, yeah, it was just an unreal start to the season. But since then, the team started the Spring Classics, and it's just been bad luck after bad luck. Like, 
we've had I think four people get COVID. There's been heaps of other illness in the team, um, crashes. It's been really hectic start to the season in the peloton. Like there's been lots of crashes and people getting injured mm. and, yeah, a few mechanical problems and stuff as well. But, yeah, so it started off really well and now we've had a bit of a rough period. But um, the team's starting to find its feet again and we're coming into the next races really optimistic to try and get Ash a good result on the podium what are your goals for the rest of the season I think the goals are just to try and learn as much as I can um you're still learning things every single day in this sport so try and improve my bunch positioning even more obviously I want to try and get fitter and stronger every year but those things take time a little bit so I think just learning from my teammates would be the biggest way to improve what do you like about being in the pro peloton in Europe? Oh, the people that you're surrounded with, are, like in a race, it's pretty surreal sometimes. Like you look over your left shoulder, there's Mariana Voss. You look over your right shoulder, it's like Ash. So, yeah, you're just surrounded by these these women that you've looked up to since, you know, I was nine or ten years old. So it's pretty cool to be able to, like, to realise that I'm here now and I've got my part to play in the peloton as well. So, yeah, it's still sinking in a little bit. Where do you see yourself in five years' time? Um, Hopefully still here, <laughs> still here doing what I'm doing. But I'd like to see myself as more of a like a team captain or team leader role um, and helping people, you know, helping the team, helping my teammates, that kind of thing and, I'd also love to see myself progress um, into a rider that can really play those finals as well and go deep into a race, whether it's riding for myself or riding for my teammates. That's the ultimate goal. What's your favourite race you've ever done? Uh, the Tour de France, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if anything will top it. And from, yeah, I went to that race as my first race on this team. So, yeah. I got thrown basically into the best race that exists at the moment. So, yeah, <laughs> my standard was set pretty high. Is there a race that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? I really want to do the Giro. So, yeah, now that I've done the tour, of course I want to go back there. But it's a different reality this year on this team because the team's brought on a whole group of strong riders now. So, it makes the selection quite difficult for races like that. So we've really got to work to get selected, which is good. It's how it should be. Um, but I think the Giro would be really nice. At the moment in Italy, I've got some bad memories in racing, so I want to change that. Like I got sick before Strada and then had some issues in the race at Brabant. So, yeah, I'd like to go back there and create some nice memories because, yeah, I think Italy is a really cool place to visit. What's the best thing about being in Europe? Um, I think like the diversity of all the places that you visit. So even when you cross the border from Belgium to the Netherlands, which we've been doing almost every day now, it's just so different. Then you go from France to Spain and it's different again. So just like seeing so much, like all the different cultures within Europe and yeah, it's such like a sensory shock. You're not used to it at all because basically everywhere in Australia, like the landscape's different, but the culture's pretty similar. So, yeah, it's really cool to 
meet new people and yeah discover new things what do you miss the most about Australia yeah Australia comes with comfort I think so yeah when things get really hard and yeah you have a bit of a rough time which is to be honest most of the time in this sport it's pretty hard and you you got to learn to like you know deal with those hard things that come that's when I miss Australia because it's what I know and it's what I'm comfortable with but yeah then I've got to remind myself like okay like it's not supposed to be easy otherwise everyone would do it so you Mm -hmm. kind of snap out of it and then (laughs) get on with it a little bit where's your favorite place to ride for fun in Europe uh in Girona I really like it there when it's not too busy, I love riding along the beach, like along the Costa Brava. It's super nice. Or going up into the mountains. It's also pretty awesome. But I also really love the Sunshine Coast. Um, it's where I was living for a few years in Australia. You're right next to the beach and you've got like the rainforest on the other side. So, yeah, and just all the local bunches back home in Australia. I, I love Europe and Australia, but for different reasons. Who's your favourite current rider? I really look up to Grace Brown, um, not only because she's Australian, but because she's really humble. She lets her legs do the talking and, yeah, she'll, she's not, she doesn't think that she's too good to talk to anyone. Like she'll, you know, she'll always give her advice or some, you know, something like that. So she's a really cool rider to look up to and just a really nice person. Who's your favourite rider of all time? I think it would be rude not to mention Mariana Voss. She's won just about all there is that you can win. What's your advice for young riders? I think just to enjoy it. If you're not enjoying it, then don't do it. So, yeah, you're in the sport because you love it. And if you don't love it, go find something else to do, honestly. Like, yeah, just you've got to enjoy what you're doing. Otherwise, there's no point. You've got five minutes before you head down to the start of a race. What's on your playlist to get you motivated? For me, surely Eminem. I love a bit of like the old school Eminem music. Um, but if I'm with my teammates with who are a little bit older than me, like Ash and Lotta, we'd probably put on some 80s music. So put some Queen on or something like that. And that way the whole team gets around, around the beats. <laughs> Thanks so much for sharing your cycling life story with me, Anya. No worries at all. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening. You can find all other episodes of Cycling Talk Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm also on social media. I'm on Instagram and the GCN app. It would mean so much to me if you'd give me a follow. It's great to hear your feedback. I'd love it if you'd leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and give me a follow on Spotify. See you on the bike.